0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to HR Works, brought to you by BLR. I'm your host, Steve Bruce. HR Works provides clear, relevant, actionable information on topics that matter to HR professionals. When you're armed with best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional value to your organization, HR works. Engagement and retention. We've covered these twin topics many times generally agreeing that if you have an engagement problem, you'll have retention problems, as well as productivity issues, morale issues, and so on. But today's guest, Bob Kelleher, has a different perspective. He says in most companies with which he has consulted, it's not an engagement problem, it's a hiring problem. We're speaking with Bob live from BLR's RecruitCon conference in Nashville, where he's presenting a keynote presentation on this issue. Bob is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, and consultant who travels the globe sharing his insights on employee engagement, leadership, and workforce trends. He's the author of best-selling books, Louder Than Words, Ten Practical Employee Engagement Steps That Drive Results, Creativeship, a novel for evolving leaders, Employee Engagement for Dummies, and the just-released I Engage your personal engagement roadmap. He can be seen or heard on national media, most recently on CNBC, CBS, NBC News, Business Week, Forbes, and Fortune. He is presented to the leadership teams of many of the world's top companies, including Prudential, Lockheed Martin, Dana Farber, Cumberland Farms, Gulf, The Cheesecake Factory, Dale Carnegie, and Silk Road. He is also the founder and president of the Employee Engagement Group, a global survey, products, and consulting firm working with leadership teams to enhance their leadership and employee engagement effectiveness. Formerly, Bob was the CHRO for ACOM, a Fortune 500 global professional services firm, and CHRO and COO for ENSR a 3,000-employee
1: global consulting firm. Bob, welcome to HR Works. Oh, why, thank you, Steve. I am delighted to be here, and I'm delighted to partner again with BLR. You folks are, are just terrific. Uh, and the fact that we're in Nashville um, makes it even extra special. So thank you for having me. Better and better. Thank you. So, A
0: lot of employers who think they have an engagement issue actually have a hiring problem.
1: Have I got that right? Yeah, it's funny, Steve. I've learned um, both as an internal practitioner as well as my years now consulting in working with some of the world's... um, largest and smallest organizations that, um, you know, folks think that they have retention issues and they put in leadership development programs and they do engagement surveys. And often when you really drill down, you find out that they're simply hiring the wrong people to work for their culture or at least to succeed within their culture.
0: Sam Walton, I think, famously is credited with saying it's all about who you let in the door.
1: Absolutely, and it's funny. If you um, aren't considered uh, a top employer, or if your Glassdoor.com, you know, ranking is low, or if you're in crisis hiring all the time, where you find that you have to hire the only candidate that you're interviewing, uh, then you're just going to be continuing to exasperate the problem because now you're just hiring to put a butt in seat, uh, not hiring a true uh, behavioral and trait match. your organization and the companies that do it do it remarkably well and then they usually don't have any kind of engagement or retention issue so
0: you offer the best profile for selection and hiring and it stands for behavior education skills and traits so how does this help managers in their evaluation of candidates?
1: Yeah. Uh, thank you for bringing that up, Steve. Uh, uh, this is an acronym that I actually came up with back when I was uh, a corporate employment manager back in the 1980s, uh, because we found that our managers focus so much on hiring for education, uh, hiring for experience, hiring for skills, um, and that they weren't putting enough emphasis in the B in the T part, which is the behavior and the traits. Uh, And if you think about it, you can look at someone's resume pretty easily and see their experience and their skills, but after doing uh, some soul-searching, uh, why don't people succeed organizationally, or why do people uh, have great success organizationally, we concluded it's not really the skill set they have. It's really not the education uh, that they might have. Um, so, for instance, you generally don't fire an accountant because the accountant can't add. You generally will fire the accountant because then, you know they're arrogant, they're not a team player, they have absentee issues. Um, they don't have customer service orientation. Um, so how can organizations do a better job first identifying what are the behaviors and traits that define their culture and how do you build in behavioral-based interviewing so you can extract those behaviors and traits specific to your organization? And once you do that, you know, you'll see that you're now mapping your applicant pool and your candidates uh, more to the types of people that you should be hiring. So, for instance, think of Southwest Airlines. It's such a simple... Uh, Case study. Uh, Southwest Airlines, you know, when I fly Southwest, I I see that it's more of a fun, uh, kind of whimsical flying experience than if I say fly United uh, or American. Uh, That's not by accident. You know, part of their culture is fun and humor. So they they have behavioral based interviewing, whether you're an airline pilot, whether you are. Uh, uh, a ticket agent, that they're looking for people that have that sense of humor, have that kind of whimsical trait, uh, because that's their brand, right? So people are more apt to stay with Southwest if they have that type of personality trait that succeeds within the Southwest franchise. So how does a company then uh, go about figuring
0: out the types of people that are going to succeed? What... What behaviors specifically they want and what traits they want.
1: Yeah, um, here is a really simple in grid exercise that I often uh, work with leadership teams on. Uh, and really, anyone can practice this. Um, if, if I'm doing a facilitation of a leadership team of, say, 15 people, I'll, I'll ask all 15 to stand by a flip chart page. And I'll ask them to work in isolation and to come up with the names of 10 superstar employees who don't work within their area of focus. And, and then I'll watch the room and they're all writing down names. Uh, and then I'll ask them to, okay, take take a step back. And I will, as the facilitator, just circle the room. And I will start circling the names that appear on uh, the multiple flip charts. And it's amazing how many redundancies you see when you go through this very, very simple exercise. And then I'll get a blank flip chart page and say, okay, let's look at the names of the people that were circled. What do they have in common? Because these are the stars that have been noted by the people in this room. What do they have in common? And then you start extracting really some fascinating uh, um, subset of behaviors and traits they share. Then you sit back and say, okay, in some ways we just did a really simple exercise on your employer value proposition. This is really your brand. What you need to do now is find more people out in the applicant pool who share these behaviors and trades and what type of questions uh, should people be asking. So one of the things I'll be offering BLR tomorrow at the close of my keynote, uh, we've developed hundreds of behavioral-based interview questions uh, that we'll be sending out to all attendees as our thank you to BLR. uh, Where We're able to map. These are the behaviors you should be looking for for people that are in sales positions. These are the behaviors you should be looking for uh, for people that are in uh, positions of people management, uh, project management and then so that's that's kind of a subset, but at the macro level, what are the behaviors and trades that identify the top people in your organization and then it really helps people figure out their employment brand and then you know these simple steps will help you kind of realize okay uh, I've been interviewing people just based on the skills or maybe the experience they have. I need to be asking very, very different questions that align with the types of people that seem to succeed here at our organization.
0: Now, I can just say, uh, just for a few minutes, I can see why people seek your help, because simple and practical.
1: Yeah, and that's probably the difference um, that I've brought over the years. You know, there are some fascinating and great academics out there. There are lifelong consultants. Uh, I'm not either one of them. You know, I've written five books, but it comes from the uh, practitioner's standpoint. I'm a a 30-year HR person. I spent time as, uh, you know, corporate talent acquisition head, uh, corporate head of training and development. And I've seen that the average department manager or the average employee simplicity sticks. Complexity rejects. So the more you can offer these kind of pragmatic tools, uh, they take root inside organizations and and they work. Uh, and when I write a book, I generally share the best practices. I could write a very thick book on the things that I tried that did not work. Uh, so I try to share the things that hey, you know, these simple actionable things really work inside the workplace. Thanks. So
0: could you give us a couple of examples of uh, behaviors and traits for high-performing and then low-performing individuals? Yeah,
1: it, 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 it's funny. You know, there are some very unique behaviors and traits that define brands, right? So if you think of Nordstrom's, you know, they look for people that uh, have customer service in their DNA, right? You know, uh, it's not it's – not, uh, um, you know by happenstance that I walk into Nordstrom's and I see a level of customer service that I might not see in another brand right uh, if you if you think of uh, if you think of Timberland you know they 're the outdoor boot manufacturer, uh, they have the lowest voluntary turnover of any retail um, chain in the u s and it 's because they hire people that have corporate social responsibility in in, in their DNA because uh, that's that 's their brand right so you see that overlap this is our brand and this is and this is who we hire now? When you take a when you take a subset of what are the traits that high performing employees share, regardless of who you work. Uh, some of these traits were showcased in my recent book, I Engage. Uh, but a collaboration, collaboration is a trait that I don't care if you work for GE or Southwest or you know or. Um, Uh, That's going to be a a trait that people are going to embrace. Uh, If you think of empathy, especially in people that manage people, empathy is one of the key drivers of employee engagement. So I would be looking at uh, um, how do you ask questions to determine if John Doe, who's being hired into a position of a line manager, uh, is John empathetic, right? Uh, Because we know from experience that highly empathetic managers are better managers. The non empathetic. You know, I'll often ask a group of hiring managers, okay, who, who, will, who will have empathy as a set of competencies that you think are important? And they don't raise their hand because they think empathy is soft. No, that is a significant driver of employee engagement. Uh, in 2018, I wouldn't be hiring anyone who doesn't have a blend of passion, uh, a blend of curiosity, right? You know, because you want employees to be able to seek information, which I think is more important today than knowing information, right? You know, my kids prove this every night. Uh I mean, they were growing up to dinner, you know, I can't even exaggerate anymore because they'll take out their phones and they'll validate what I'm saying or more inclined to say, dad, you're exaggerating because they can find information, right? So how are you hiring employees that have this curiosity that they can seek out the information? Uh, and to me, you know, those are competencies of great employees, regardless of what organization you're in, what industry you're in. But I... I think so few companies interview people to try to get these traits. So let's say the
0: company then defines the behaviors and traits that it wants. Then the next level is you have to figure out what questions or what techniques yeah. or tests you're going to use. Uh, you've mentioned behavior-based interviewing. Is that
1: yeah approach uh, yeah. you recommend? Uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of behavioral-based interviewing. Uh, I'm a, uh, uh, a big fan of um, putting together an interview strategy that is no different than putting together a proposal strategy. So, you know, on the business development side, I think organizations do just an amazing job of trying to win new work, right? Uh, But when they hire someone, they often do a sloppy job of, you know, of hiring. Uh, You know, I can't tell you how many times I've been in the interview process uh, in which um, I find the applicant's been asked, The same question by four different people interviewing the applicant. You know, so how many times can you answer? So where do you see yourself in five years? You know, but, but those are the types of questions that get asked inside an interview if it's not properly planned. Uh, So when I was a internal practitioner, um, We would segregate. Each of the interview folks would have a certain set of questions that they would be responsible for asking. They had to do prep. Uh, They had to come up with a way to extract that from the candidate and do it in a way that the candidate felt, wow, this was a really cool experience. Because often the interview process is not just a selling process from the company to, to try to get you to opt in. But in many ways, it's a process that gives you an opportunity to have a candidate to opt out because maybe they don't belong there, right? So you're trying to get them from making a mistake. And often the interview questions will allow you to let people opt in and, as important, allow them to opt out.
0: And that's going to be for the good of the company and for the person. Absolutely. So, how about any other tools or processes that uh, you recommend for evaluating
1: candidates? Tests or uh, references? Yeah, or? Um, I'm I'm a fan of uh, some of the behavioral based interviewing um, uh, questions as well as. Uh, Some of the assessments that are out there, a predictive index is a wonderful assessment uh, to use. It's one of the few uh, pre-employment assessments that has actually been validated uh, to use as a credible hiring uh, assessment. Uh, the danger, however, is you shouldn't use an assessment to make a decision to hire or not hire. It should be one of the tools you use in a well rounded interview process. Uh, it's a data point. You know, uh, it's funny, at the end of the day, um, you can't you can't overlook one's intuition, right? Uh, do I think this person's going to be a fit in this organization? And the more you know, formal assessment tools you use to bring in. You know, sometimes you can dull one's intuition, and and uh, there are some people that I've worked with that are just brilliant in being able to, you know, have that intuitive sense that I think this person is going to work, even if their academics might not seem to be a match. Uh, they just have this sense from years and years of experience uh, through the interview process. Great, thanks.
0: Um, then if uh, any of the listeners want to evaluate their current hiring practices. Uh, what would you recommend for them to see how they're helping or hurting uh, long-term engagement? And-
1: yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of um, doing some laboratory interviewing. Uh, have have some of the managers go through a typical interview process. So put them through uh, a, a process in which they are interviewing for a job. Have them uh, be asked the same questions that the recruiting department would normally ask. Ha- ask them to be interviewed uh, by a first-line manager. Uh, have them give, give their take on what the process was like. I recently gave a talk to a, um, a large group of healthcare uh, professionals, and there was, there was a hospital that was in Florida that she had a best practice uh, on the customer experience. They, they now require uh, all new hires that get hired into the hospital, they have to go through the process that a patient would. So the new hire in day one, they keep that new hire uh, in the emergency room in a... A waiting room with a Johnny on for thirty minutes with no one coming to tend to them, uh, and then they then they put them through a laboratory where two of the um, two of the medical folks in the emergency room will start talking about them behind the fabric curtain in which the poor patient can now hear the medical folks, and it's such a powerful customer service eye opener and I think we can do the same thing on the employment side right uh, how do we how do we have our managers experience what candidates experience especially if a process is still uh, in transition um, where you know some of the bugs are still left in now you get the senior leadership support because they'll give feedback and themselves to say hey this really didn't work um, you know there's something broken you know we need to reevaluate this so bring them through a laboratory themselves to see what the process is like that's great
0: i understand that you have uh what you call the golden 10 10 hiring and selection best practices could you share a few of those uh with us maybe Um, ones that listeners wouldn't expect
1: yeah um well i'm a, a huge fan of employee referrals you know uh if if you're going to um hire the types of people that will succeed in your culture, getting referrals from your current employees, I think, is an absolute way to go. So, so I think um, if, if you're currently studying, if you have an engaged culture, I look at your employer referral percent. If it is under 25%, I can almost guarantee you that you have some engagement issues. Uh, Best-in-class organizations will be at least 50% um, employee referrals. And, again, um, you know, the studies are overwhelming that employees that enter a firm as a, as a referral tend to be more engaged and tend, tend to have a higher level of retention. Um, uh, I think another great practice is have a peer participate in the interview process. So don't just have managers uh, participate in the interview process. You know, if I'm a new grad and I'm interviewing, uh, please don't have me talk to, you know, a baby boomer, three Gen X's, you know, have me talk to some of the new grads that got hired last year. Uh, I'm another fan of inviting the candidate to stay for lunch and encourage them to sit at any of the cafeteria tables, uh, unsolicited, uh, and really get a sense for what the organization is like. Uh, I think that's a best practice for the firm. It can also be scary for the firm if you're a bad employer, right? Uh, because they might hear <laughs> things. But I, I believe that aren't you better off, Steve, uh, having an employee hear that before they join than after they join where they realize they made a mistake? Um, there's another great best practice that was... Uh, Um, really made popular um, by, um, boy, I'm drawing a playing Zappos. Uh, Zappos will now give every new hire during onboarding a $3,000 bonus to quit. So think of that for a second. You join Zappos, and within that three-month window, you are offered a $3,000 bonus to resign. I think that is a brilliant best practice. Tony Shea, who's their CEO, has concluded it is way more costly to have me hire you and have you identify yourself as a misfit and start a job search or be disengaged. That's way more expensive than the $3,000 that I will give you. Now, coincidentally, they hardly ever pay that out because Zappos, they do an amazing job and understanding who will succeed in our culture and so they can make such an offer uh, really recognizing they're not going to be writing many checks.
0: And he also says that uh, everybody that comes to work there starts out on the phones. Absolutely. So they have to experience that it's all about the customer.
1: It's all about the customer experience. In fact, if you... um, uh, For you listeners out there, just go on YouTube and type in Zappos employment video, and you'll actually see their phone room and see what it's like. And it's a very different personality type, right? Because they understand the behaviors and traits that will succeed in Zappos are going to be a different person who then might apply and exceed at GE. It's a different person. But some of these firms just really get it. They really understand their employer value proposition. So, so far we're talking about
0: engagement. And retention as something that is for the organization. But the title of your new book, I Engage, suggests that individuals uh, can take a personal approach to their engagement also. Is that right?
1: Yeah, uh, Steve, uh, one of the things that has been um, disappointing to me and some, in some ways discouraging, uh, I spent all my waking hours in the space of employee engagement, right? You know, I own the domain, employeeengagement.com. I've been in the space now uh, for the past uh, 20 years. Um, and you want to think you're making a difference, Right. So Gallup continues to come up with their studies showing that the uh, levels of employee engagement in U.S.-based businesses continues to be incredibly low. In fact, their last, uh, I think, 2017 report indicated 67% of the employees in corporate America are disengaged or actively disengaged. Last year, we spent $74 billion in engagement-related products and services, and yet Gallup's telling us we're still not making a difference. I believe we've been looking at engagement all along. I think we've been looking at how do we engage the employee, and I think we need to refocus the engagement efforts on how do we engage the person, because what we've seen in our research, often what happens after work is what drives someone's engagement during work. So if you have um, a working mom and she has three little kids and she's got drop-off and pick-up every day and, and you're a boss trying to get her to give above and beyond right now, well, she probably can't give above and beyond right now, right? Or, you know, 50% of your listeners will end up going through a divorce. Uh, there's elder care. Uh, there's daycare. Uh, uh, there's... Uh, there's health and welfare issues that are taking place in the workplace, but yet we don't address it. You know, we look to engage just the employee. And this is why this thing called empathy, I think, is such an important characteristic for a manager these days because technology is really – has really uh, knocked down the walls between work and life, right? It's, um, you know, it's, this isn't work and life balance, this is work and life blending right now. So how do you, how do you really get your managers focused that, hey, uh, you're now managing a holistic individual, not just the employee? Now, the employee piece that you asked about, there's the personal accountability, right? Hey, don't wait for the manager. Don't wait for the culture. Don't wait for your leader to do something for you. You know, what are you doing? You know, uh, one statistic I I saw indicated that 48% of the disengaged employees in the workplace have no plans to change jobs. I find that so sad. So I'm going to be disengaged and I'm going to stay and make everyone's life miserable, including my own. So why why in a million years would uh, I want to be miserable inside a job? Life is way too short. So I Engage has proven to be a terrific roadmap uh, for someone to go through 23 career rest stops, uh, to pause and ponder. And I've had people write, uh, uh, write me letters that say, hey, uh, I read your book and I found out. I've identified the problem. It's not leadership. It's me. Uh, I'm unhappy, and I'm unhappy because I'm uh, I'm not a fit here. Uh, So trying to get people to... uh Really be accountable for their own engagement is a key part of engagement uh, and a key part of I engage in getting managers to manage employees in such a way that it's this holistic look at, hey, this person that I'm managing, they have something going on that isn't just their life that I need to at least be aware of, be concerned about, because I can never get them to go above and beyond if I don't even know who they are.
0: Great. Great. This has all been so very helpful. Thank you,
1: Steve. Any um, any final tips for uh, listeners about engagement? Yeah, yeah. Just a shameful, shame, shameful free plug alert. My website, employeeengagement.com, has a resources section. Uh, I'm a junkie of putting tools up there, articles, videos. It's all free. Uh, I I truly view part of my work uh, globally is to be an ambassador of engagement. And the more I can arm your listeners, uh, um, your conference attendees with practical, easy tools uh, that I can put in your hands, you know, free, uh, that can make a big difference. Um, I I, I actually feel that's my response responsibility uh, as I've aged in my life. So uh, please visit employeeengagement.com, go to the resources section, download uh, some really cool things. Well, that's great. That's great help for the listeners. We appreciate so much all your uh, insights
0: today. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Yeah, thank you, Steve. Uh, just a quick uh, plug for BLR. Uh, uh, I've been honored to partner with you folks on a couple of conferences now because when I was a practitioner, uh, you guys were the Bible. I mean, I, would, uh, uh, I was a junkie on doing... Uh, uh, all of the firms, sexual harassment training, all of the employment law training, uh, and you always my go to people. So to be partnering with you, uh, I'm honored, and, and, and thank you for having me, Steve.
0: Well, it's our thanks to you then. Okay. So, listeners, please
1: let me know what HR
0: Works should cover next. Bruce at BLR.com. Thanks for listening. Live from RecruitCon in Nashville, this is Steve Bruce for HR Works.